0: Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan and this is just a quick reminder that you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher or whatever app you listen to us on. We love feedback, so if you have anything to tell us, get in touch on Facebook and Twitter at It Podcast, and you can always email us on Podcast at irishtimes.com. On Friday, May 25th, that's just a few days time, the people of Ireland will be voting in yet another abortion referendum. But this one is a once in a generation referendum. This referendum could see the Eighth Amendment being removed from the Constitution, that's if yes, wins, or it could see the Eighth Amendment remaining in the Irish Constitution, which is what will happen if no wins. Over the past few months has been an avalanche of information, debates, posters, personal stories and conversations, so we thought this was a good time to step back from all of that and just talk about abortion, the facts. We asked Irish Times political reporter Sarah Barden to come in to talk to us about the facts of the referendum so we can all keep a neutral head. And even if you have firmly made up your mind, you might find this useful for those discussions you may be having with family and friends over the next few days. And I began by asking a basic question of Sarah Barden. What is the Eighth Amendment?
1: Okay. Well, the Eighth Amendment um, refers to Article Three Three of the Constitution. It was inserted in 1983 And what it means in layman's terms is that abortion is prohibited in all circumstances um, and that the mother's life is on an equal footing to the life of the unborn. Um, what people are being asked uh, to do on Friday is to remove Article 43.3 of the Constitution, the Eighth Amendment from the Constitution, and to place an enabling provision in the Constitution which would allow for the regulation of the termination of pregnancy. So essentially um, that the Aroctus would be given the authority to legislate to allow for abortion in certain circumstances.
0: Now, Sarah, that gives rise to a question on the doorsteps mythical doorsteps as to whether the fetus in the womb has any protection after this
1: um in terms of the constitution the supreme court ruled that the only protection for the unborn is article 433 however in a longer judgment it does say that provision should be made by law for the rights of the unborn and so in any uh, legislation that is passed by the houses of the aeractus provision would be made for the protection of the rights of the unborn in law but in terms of the constitution um article 433 is the um is the last remaining Constitutional protection for the unborn.
0: Now, the Citizens' Assembly sat down to work on all this and came up with what some people considered a rather surprising conclusion.
1: Yeah, the Citizens' Assembly was established by the former Taoiseach, and Kenny, and at the time, I suppose everybody saw it as a, a d- deliberate delaying mechanism in answering the question that, you know, a lot of people wanted answered. And um, what it was was a body established um, and chaired by um, a a judge Mary Lafoy with 99 citizens from across the country uh, from a range um, of urban and rural and you know a different age demographic and what essentially they proposed was that abortion should be allowed in a range of circumstances. It said that abortion should be allowed up to 12 weeks without specific indication or without restriction that they should abortion should be allowed in the cases of rape, in the cases of incest, in the cases of fatal fetal abnormalities. Its recommendation were then forwarded to an Oireachtas committee, um, a 21-member Oireachtas committee, which examined all their measure, all the proposals of the Citizens' Assembly and came up with its own conclusions, um, which paralleled a lot with the Citizens' Assembly recommendations. They didn't accept every single one of them. The Citizens' Assembly said that abortion should be provided on socio-economic grounds, that abortion should be provided when there is a fetal abnormality identified. The Oireachtas Committee rejected those two particular uh, recommendations, but they did conclude that abortions should be made available within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy and beyond that in the cases when a mother's life, health, a mental health is at risk and when there is a fatal fetal abnormality diagnosed
0: now importantly in order to do all that people are being asked to vote to repeal the amendment to begin with
1: yeah essentially can you vote
0: yes to one and no to the other
1: no, what people are, are being asked now as to whether the Constitution is the place to deal with these with these particular matters and whether Article 43.3 should remain. Um, they are being asked to do that on the basis that the government has produced legislation giving them a very clear indication as to how it would intend to legislate for abortion in cer- certain circumstances. That legislation is up on the Department of Health's website. It's been written about on numerous occasions um, and... It is available to anybody who has uh, any questions on it. It's also available on the Irish Times website if anyone has any concerns about some of the measures that are being proposed. But essentially, the question people are being asked is whether they want the Eighth Amendment to remain part of our constitution and whether the Oireachta should be given the power to legislate for abortion in certain circumstances.
0: And just so we're clear in the case of fatal fetal abnormality, Sarah. Yeah that that will be that is included in the legislation now
1: in the legislation the that's proposed been proposed by the government yes. um they do allow for access to terminations up to 12 weeks beyond 12 weeks a mother's life or her health would have to be at risk for a termination to be provided in those circumstances a gestational limit would be imposed in that when the fetus reaches viability, which is at about 24 weeks of pregnancy, the terminations would not be permitted beyond that point. In the specific case of fatal fetal abnormalities, and that is when a woman is informed that the fetus would not survive outside the womb or would die shortly after, Uh, no gestational limits would be applicable in those circumstances. So if a woman uh, is uh, told that the the foetus would not survive outside the womb beyond 24 weeks, a termination would be provided if requested by the woman.
0: So if someone sees a poster up on a poll this evening which says if you don't want to kill babies at six months, vote no, how does that fit into the legislation, the proposed legislation?
1: Well, the, what they're referring to there is that cut off point of 24 weeks, that, that point of viability. However, what the posters don't say and what um, they don't cater for is that there, are only, there will only be abortions up to the 24th week of pregnancy when two doctors have determined that, the, that a mother would die or that there would be serious irre, irrevocable damage done to the mother's health. That the only up only in those specific cases would terminations be provided up to 24 weeks, and we know from the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act, which is the current law, which allows for terminations when a mother's life is at risk, is that 77 abortions have taken place since 2015, since that legislation was enacted. So they're very small numbers, essentially that this would be tiny percentage. Yes.
0: Uh, going back to the posters, are we talking about unrestricted abortion up to 12 weeks? I saw a poster this morning saying abortion on demand up 12 weeks. Is that what we're talking
1: about? No, there are a number of um, requirements uh, before a termination can be provided. So for example, if a woman uh, within her the first 12 weeks of pregnancy uh, seeks a termination she will have to uh, first of all request it from a medical practitioner um, there will then be a legal obligation on that medical practitioner, whether it be a GP, an obstetrician or a gynecologist um, to consult with the woman to provide her with her options Um, And after that point, there will be a 72-hour waiting period enforced. Once those three days have then elapsed, an abortion pill will be provided to the woman if she chooses to continue with the termination. So by no means is that unrestricted abortions. There are a number of restrictions placed.
0: So you can't just march into a doctor and say, give me the pill?
1: You can't just march into the doctor and say, give me a pill. And um, as I said, there is an obligation there on the woman to request um, to request a termination, which I think people, some people are overlooking, because um, it's, it is the case in other countries that women have to sign a piece of paper to show they're not being forced. To have a termination, this in these in in Ireland, it will be require, required that a woman will have to ask for the termination. There will be a consultation period with her doctor, and then a seventy-two hour waiting period. So it won't be the case that a woman will be able to present herself to a medical practitioner, seek a termination, and that pill be provided there and then. Um, as I said, there will be a number of restrictions that are enforced.
0: And just so we're very clear. Going back to the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act, um, three specialists currently are required when the threat to a woman's life is at risk by suicide, for example. Mm-hmm. Does that figure in the in the proposed legislation?
1: So it it, it differs uh, from the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act in that um, when a mother's life or health is at risk, under the proposed new legislation. Two medical practitioners will have to determine the size of the risk to the mother's life and the size of the risk to the mother's health or indeed mental health. Um, while it's not specified in the law, it is envisaged that it would be a um, it'd be a medical practitioner and then one medical practitioner and then another medical practitioner that has expertise in the given area. So, in the event that a woman presents. Um, Saying that she is suicidal and she cannot continue with her pregnancy, that it would be a medical practitioner and a psychiatrist that would determine whether or not a termination should be provided in those circumstances. So the legislation doesn't specifically say that, but it will be accompanied by medical guidelines that will specify that. So after 12 weeks of pregnancy, two uh, doctors will have to determine the size of the risk to the mother's health and life before a termination can be provided. And again, um, there will be no terminations in those cases beyond 24 weeks pregnancy.
0: Sarah, tell us about how abortion is treated around the world in terms of, compared compared to what our proposed legislation is. Is ours the most the most liberal legislation ever known to man?
1: Well, currently, um, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Malta and Poland have the most restrictive abortion regimes um, in the European Union. Ireland only allows for abortion when a mother's life is at risk. Northern Ireland only allows for abortions in exceptional circumstances also. Um, That differs uh, quite dramatically from around the the rest of Europe, uh, where abortion is provided up to 12 weeks of pregnancy in most, most countries vary sometimes from 12 to 14 weeks. Um, and as we know, uh, in Britain, it is provided up to the 24th week of pregnancy. We are out of sync with the majority um, of Europe. Um in most European countries, terminations are provided on the basis of rape, incest or when the fetus does not survive outside the womb. Um, also, in most European countries, abortions are also provided when if there is a fetal abnormality uh, diagnosed. So we do differ quite dramatically. But the country, I suppose, that we're compared to most with regards to this legislation is that of the United Kingdom. In the United Kingdom, uh, terminations are provided up to the twenty-fourth week of pregnancy. They're also provided beyond twenty-four weeks in exceptional circumstances, i.e., in rape, uh, incest, or when there is a, a fatal fetal abnormality or indeed a fetal abnormality too. Um, so, our our legislation differs quite dramatically from the rest of Europe. But we are compared what is being proposed is compared most to that of Britain, and there are a number of differences between. Ireland's proposed legislation and what is in place in Britain.
0: So let's be very clear on this now, because as you say, this is constantly facing people on the doorsteps. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, the poster that says one in five babies are aborted in England. um, And that, of course, we're regarded then as a thin end of the wedge, what we're doing here. And it's going to open the floodgates. First of all, is that one in five babies figure, is it accurate?
1: It's very hard to say because what they've done um with that figure is they've added the number of live births with the number of stillbirths with the number of abortions and they have uh, that's where they get the 1 in 5. So if you add let's say for um if you add live births, stillbirths and abortions, the number of abortions is one fifth of uh, the number of uh, pregnancies but what the figure doesn't cater for is the number of women who suffer miscarriages in their pregnancy, and also what the figure doesn't account for is the number of women who travel from different jurisdictions um, to access terminations within uh, the United Kingdom. So the figures in which they mention they include figure they include women that have travelled from this country and indeed from Northern Ireland to access terminations abroad. So while when we did a fact check on this particular issue, uh, we found that the uh, figures. Um, quoted by the Save the Eighth campaign and uh, and other anti-abortion campaigns cannot be relied upon because, as I said, it doesn't include the number of miscarriages. It doesn't uh, reference the fact that a significant number of women have had to travel from different jurisdictions uh, to access abortion uh, in in the United Kingdom. So we have determined that it shouldn't be a figure that is relied upon.
0: So let's be very clear then on the difference between the proposals for our legislators and what exists in the UK or in England specifically, which is because that's where they want us to to dwell. What are the differences between the two, Sarah?
1: Okay, well, in the United Kingdom, um, abortions are carried out uh, before 24 weeks of pregnancy. Two doctors must agree a termination should be permitted. As I said, they can be carried out after 24 weeks. in certain circumstances when a mother's life is at risk uh, or the child would be born with a severe uh, disability. Um, In Ireland, we differ quite dramatically because we we are proposing or the government is proposing that abortion would be available within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. So it's it's half, as you can see, 24 weeks in the United Kingdom, 12 weeks here. Um, there would be restrictions imposed in, in Ireland that are not imposed in the United Kingdom. And again, um, beyond the 24th week of pregnancy, the United Kingdom and England do allow for abortion in certain circumstances. The only situation that an abortion can be provided post-24 weeks in Ireland under the proposed legislation is when the woman, uh, the mother, receives a diagnosis that the foetus would not survive outside the womb. So it is, um, it is disingenuous, disingenuous to, uh, to compare the United Kingdom's um, uh, abortion regime with the, uh, with the proposed legislation um, that the government is, is seeking to introduce in the event that the Eighth Amendment is repealed.
0: So it's literally half the time
1: half the time but also we have we have specific um, restrictions as I said um, when in England two doctors must certify that a that a termination should be provided um, but on that basis a termination can be provide provided I suppose not to say there and then because that makes it sound like it's an easy decision for a woman to make but it can be provided in a number of hours. We have a three day waiting period that is being proposed so um, and as I said there is a there is a legal obligation on the medical practitioner to advise women of different options. That That's not applicable in the United Kingdom and one of the other things that I suppose that is being constantly discussed in this um, referendum campaign is the issue of fetal abnormalities. Um, in the United Kingdom termination can be provided on the basis of a fetal abnormality they call a category E in the United Kingdom in Ireland that is not um, a provision that would be allowed in legislation. So, if a fetal abnormality is diagnosed, uh, terminations will not be allowed on that basis. The uh, Save the Eighth campaign has said that nine out of ten abortion uh, ba- they say nine out of ten babies with Down syndrome are aborted in England. Again, that figure is not accurate. Two percent of the terminations um, in the United Kingdom are carried out under this Category E clause. So just 2%. Yet you see on billboards across the country that it says 9 out of 10. So um, again, the Irish Times has said that the figures that are being used by the Save the Eighth campaign cannot be relied upon in these circumstances.
0: So Sarah, to be very clear, in Britain, which is the greatest comparator used in a case, what percentage of abortions occurs at 24 weeks? What percentage of abortion occurs at under thirteen weeks.
1: Okay, so I suppose one of the things that many people will, will will struggle with is the comparisons with the United Kingdom, and I think it's important that we state that ninety-two percent of abortions in the United Kingdom happen under thirteen weeks.
0: That means seven in every hundred happen over Beyond thirteen weeks. Beyond that point,
1: yeah. Okay. And bear in mind, two percent of those are terminations um, when a fetal abnormality is identified. So you're really talking about five. You're really talking about five percent. of abortions happen in the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. So um, there is an attempt by some um, on the anti-abortion side to to portray this as, I suppose, a free-for-all post the 12 weeks of pregnancy. But what we have seen in the United Kingdom even though they have a much liberal more liberal um regime than what is being proposed here is that still the majority of abortions happen under the 13th week of
0: pregnancy so over 4 in 5 occur in the first 10 weeks
1: yes 81% of terminations happen within the first 10 weeks of pregnancy um actually and if you uh, look at the if you look if you want to go a little bit deeper if you look at the figures the majority um not the majority, but a significant number of abortions that take place in the United Kingdom in late uh, term abortions up to the 24th are actually Irish women who, um, who have I suppose been in a situation where they can't access terminations here and they've had to uh, travel to the United Kingdom. A lot of them ca- uh, travel. Uh, in the later stage of pregnancy. So I think that needs to be factored into the figures as well. So we're talking about a, probably a percentage of about 5%. But in the midst of those is a significant number of Irish women who travel in um, the later stages of pregnancy because they cannot um, access a termination in Ireland.
0: The big game changer this time around, Sarah, from my time back in 1983, is abortion pills. mm mm-hmm that 's uh, the genie was out of the bottle, said Peter Boylan during the uh, Iraq, this committee was advising on what to do with this what How much of a difference has this made? It's changed the figures already, hasn't
1: it? It has. I mean, you will see those who are opposed to repealing the Eighth Amendment say that the number of women who have travelled to the United Kingdom has fallen. And that's true. But what the uh, figures don't account for is the number of women who are accessing abortion pills online. In 2010, 548 women sought abortion pills. By 2016, that had tripled tripled to 1,748. And that coincided with a fall in the number of women who were travelling to the UK for abortions. Now, the 1,748 figure in 2016, again, is not a clear uh, or accurate picture. It's the number of women who are getting these abortion pills because they are illegal to import. A woman who imports these pills uh, into Ireland faces a 14-year Jail term, um, and anyone who assists her in that in procuring the abortion pills, also faces a fourteen-year jail sentence. So we don't have an accurate picture as to how many women are accessing these pills, or indeed um, how many women are suffering side effects from the from the pills that they uh, that they get over the internet. Because one of the things that the Arachdis Committee on the Eighth Amendment heard from Dr. Rona Mahoney and Peter Boylan was that they women have presented to accident. And emergency uh, facilities across the country with side effects from taking these pills, many have been reluctant to inform doctors as to where you know the pills that they've taken because again they fear that they uh, may have a fourteen year jo- uh, jail sentence imposed upon them in in those cert- uh, circumstances. So we have figures on the abortion pill, but, but they are by no means um, an accurate. Portrayal of the amount of women that are using them because we've seen a large number of them seized by revenue. But again, some um, we're we're relying on figures from just one provider in the United Kingdom, and I'm sure there are plenty of others uh, that are providing pills to women across the country.
0: They're also quite
1: expensive.
0: If you have to, I mean, it's not as expensive as travelling to England, but but they're. There, I see from your fact sheet, Sarah, they cost between 70 and 90 euro? They cost between
1: 70 and 90 euro. I suppose, they, as you said, a lot of women wouldn't be in a position um, that they could travel to the United Kingdom or to other uh, parts of Europe to seek a termination. Um, and so these pills are provided while they are costly enough at 90 euro. Um, they're a lot cheaper than having to travel to the United Kingdom to seek a termination. Um, I think the one thing that we have learned um and perhaps one thing that we were all a little bit ignorant of or maybe oblivious uh, to is that the abortion pills not net are a live factor in Ireland one of the things that the Citizens Assembly didn't have the opportunity to explore because it wasn't part of their terms of reference and Mrs Justice Mary Lafoy asked the Oireachtas Committee specifically to look into this uh, particular issue um, we're not 100% certain as to the accuracy of uh, the number of women um Getting the pills, and we're certainly not sure of the side effects of them because Peter Boylan has said on numerous occasions, who's the chair of the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, is that women are accessing these pills without any clear indication as to what exactly they're ordering online and um, the effect that it may have on them um, and their bodies and the side effects that they may encounter as a result of taking these pills without medical supervision um, and one of the things that the government has said is that it's, that is the reason that they have reached the 12-week proposition because of the availability of these pills to women across the country.
0: Now, Sarah, where do we stand politically? The, the political parties has any? are the political parties engaged in this campaign?
1: Well, Sinn Féin have a, a united party position on this matter, although there are a number of TDs um, and councillors who object to the party's position. They are uh, campaigning for um, a yes vote in the. Um, upcoming referendum. As our Solidarity, People Before Profit, the Social Democrats, the Green Party, um, a, a significant number of Fine Gael um, are, are two, um, a significant number of the Cabinet are campaigning for repeal vote. Um, the difficulty, I suppose, would be within Fianna Fáil, where the leader of the uh, party has supported uh, repealing the Eighth Amendment and allowing for terminations up to 12 weeks. Um, however, that isn't a viewpoint that is shared widely in the party. Um, I think it's about 12 to 15 uh, members of the Parliamentary Party are in favour of such a proposition. Within Fine Gael, the entire Cabinet is united uh, behind repealing the Eighth Amendment, but there are differing views on the legislation that could potentially replace it. You won't have seen Fine Gael post- Posters, you won't have seen Fianna Fáil posters across the country because of the divisions within the party. You will have seen Sinn Féin, and you will have seen the Labour Party and uh, a number of the other smaller parties too. But uh, it is a very difficult position for political parties. Um, most politicians will duck and dive when you ask them specific questions on this uh, on this issue. There be there has been very few of them actively can canvassing and campaigning um, for a yes vote. On the no side of course um, there is a number of high profile TDs mostly within the independents Matthew McGrath, Ronan Mullen uh, Michael Healy-Rae, Danny Healy-Rae uh, have all been canvassing for a no vote as has Padder Tobin and Carol Nolan within Sinn Féin. Mary Butler Fianna Fáil TD from Waterford has also been canvassing uh, for a no vote so um, you can see that there are a small small minority of politicians who have campaigned on either side, but the majority of them would like to stay out of this debate. But in the event, of course, that the Eighth Amendment is removed from the Constitution, Constitution, it will fall back into the hands of uh, of politicians to legislate for.
0: OK, so we can't say this often enough. It's happening on Friday. Who is eligible to vote, Sarah?
1: Um, Well, 3.2 million people are eligible to to vote. The polling stations are open from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., you can, uh, you must bring ID to the polling station, and if preferably bring your polling card with you too. But you can also vote if you don't have your polling card with you, as long as you are on the register to vote. Um, the polls will close at 10 p.m., and we do expect that we will have an indication um, by early afternoon on Saturday as to whether or not the Eighth Amendment will remain part of the Constitution or whether it will be repealed
0: all right, Sarah, pretend you're 18 again and you've acquired the right to vote and you're going to where it says in the polling card, which is probably your nearest school, what happens?
1: So when essentially you walk into your polling station and you present uh, your polling card or your ID. Um, you're directed to which polling station you go in. You go behind, uh, you're given a piece of paper. It says the specific question that you will be asked, which is whether you would... Uh, which, which is whether you would repeal the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution and allow for the regulation of the termination of pregnancy. Is that two separate questions? It what essentially no, it's just one question, but it will it will define Article Forty Three Three for people. Just re- put it into. Um, Put it into its original wording so that people are, I suppose, clear on what exactly Article 433 is. And then there will be a yes or no box. You would mark an X as to where you, uh, whether you're voting yes or no, you'd write an X in the box. To be sure, um, you use the X because they. If there is anything else on the ballot paper, in terms of if you'd like to put a little comment on the ballot paper to offer your um, your your own feelings and what the questions been asked, the vote will be spoiled. Resist
0: so. the urge to make a comment on your ballot
1: paper. You would be surprised by the amount of. Votes that are spoiled in referendum campaign because people would like their uh, their say on the particular question that has been asked. So just go in, mark your, there will be a
0: pencil there, there'll be a pencil there for you
1: and then you will give it a little box and you will put the vote, uh, the piece of paper in the box and you will have cast your vote uh, for many for the first time. And, you know, for, for a lot of people who are, would not be politically engaged or activated in, uh, in any other way, this will be a significant referendum for them. So it's going to be a very important day. And wherever side of the fence uh, you're on, I think a lot of I think the one thing that unites everybody is to use your vote um, and to have your say on this particular issue. This is a referendum that is unlikely, if defeated, is unlikely to um, to surface within the uh, the not so distant future so it is a once in a generation opportunity for people to cast their votes so use your vote inform yourself um, and of the question that is being asked and cast your vote uh, this Friday and as I said we will know in the early afternoon this Saturday as to whether or not the eighth amendment will remain part of our constitution or not.
0: Listen to the wise words of Sarah Barden. Thank you very much for coming in Sarah. Thank you. That's all we have time for. Thanks to Irish Times political reporter Sarah Barden for keeping all that in our head. And whatever way you're voting, please do go and vote and exercise your democratic right in what is, as Sarah said, a once-in-a-generation referendum. It won't be happening again in the near future, that's for sure. The podcast is produced by Roshan Engel and by Jennifer Ryan. I'm Kathy Sheridan and I'll talk to you next time.